It is lovely to be back uh, in the lifeboat uh, again this morning. We, as Bertie has already said, we did spend a good bit of time uh, here this morning. It's lovely to see very a lot of familiar faces, a lot of faces I don't know. I'll not call you strange faces. Uh, I'll just say I don't recognize uh, a lot of your faces, but it is lovely uh, to be back with you again and to renew fellowship uh, with Bertie as well. It's nice to see a smile on his face. Not often I get to see a smile on Bertie's face, but it's lovely uh, to be back uh, with you again this morning. Deborah sends her apologies uh, this morning. She's teaching Sunday school this morning along uh, with Leah and then has to play uh, the, the piano in the morning service at her own church, but she sends over her apologies uh, that she can't make it uh, this morning. Uh, let's turn, please, uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, we'll turn into 1 Samuel and chapter 12. 1 Samuel and chapter 12. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 12, and we'll start there at verse number 1. The word says that Samuel said unto all of Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old, I am gray-headed, and behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am, witnessed against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose ass have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind my eyes therewith? And I will restore it to you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto them, The Lord is a witness against you, and his, and his anointed is witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. And Samuel said unto the people, It is the Lord that advanced Moses and Aaron, and that brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord of all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and to the fathers. And when Jacob was come out of Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and has made them dwell in this place. And let's go on then to verse number 20. It says, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. You have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Turn not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he has done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. And we'll finish there at verse number 25. You know, over the last few Sundays in our own church down there in Money Moor, we have been looking at what the gospel message means to every soul. What it means to every single soul that we come in contact to in a daily basis. 
And by that I mean those that are saved and those that are unsaved. Those that have accepted the Lord as their own and personal Savior and those still outside the kingdom of God. The hymn writer got it right when he penned the words. He says, I have found His grace is all complete. He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I'm free. Yes, free indeed. He says, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. You have nothing else this morning. I want us just to remember what God has done for us alongside what God is preparing for those who know and love Him. And in between those two great dates, those two great events, is the timeline in which we are living this morning. How long that particular timeline is, no one knows. Someone has a longer timeline than someone else might have, so we don't know how long the timeline is. We take a look back at at Turkey and Syria not so very long ago. How men and women, boys and girls, were going about their everyday life, living life as they seen fit, and then suddenly one rumble of the earth and thousands ushered into eternity. Do we see how fragile life is? Do we really understand how fragile the day in which we live in is? And do we really understand the true need of what this lifetime is? It's encouraging to hear the great times uh, of prayer. And I know from being here how much uh, prayer is a necessity. I know how much this church values the time of prayer. I've sat through many a time of prayer, many early mornings and many late, late nights in the place of prayer. But do we really understand the true need of the day in which we live? We can bury our heads in the sand as much as we want. And we can try and hide from the great expectations that we have. But realistically, life can change so quickly and we don't know when that can happen. So don't let church be something that we just play at. Don't let your life for God be something that you dip in and out of. You see, church is supposed to be that family of believers. And church is that community here today. And church is the lighthouse, it's the lifeboat that we belong to. The time for to step up for God is now. Not somewhere down the line, because we don't know who needs to have heard that message before eternity called. I want us to look just very simply at serving God this morning. What does it mean to serve God? What does it mean? for us who calls ourselves Christian this morning. We don't take that term Christian upon our lives because we were born into a Christian country. That's not what Christian means. We don't call ourselves Christian this morning just because our families were Christians and we were brought up in a Christian tradition. Christian is not religion. Religion's completely different from Christianity. Christianity is that relationship with our Savior. And there's over 40-odd thousand passing from this world in a moment over in Turkey and Syria. Tell me, does it stir our hearts how quickly life can change? So for us this morning, for the church, the time to waken up is now. 
The time for us to be on fire for God is now. I turned on the radio just as I was driving over this morning and one of the services was just about to start, but they played a song just before it. And the words was to, to re-stir the fire within us. Re-stir the fire within us. The church needs to be telling people today that sin has taken them to a lost eternity. That's the important part today. And praise God, this church and this pulpit has done this faithfully. But the church needs to be doing that today, not debating, as you've heard over the news not so very long ago, not debating if God is gender neutral or not. The church needs to be taking a, a stand in these days, needs to be standing strong and preaching the true gospel instead of a generation that's blinded by the God of this world. In many cases today, listen, it's the church that's lost its way. The world has always lost its way. But the church has lost its way today. Could you imagine the actions of Paul and Peter and James and John? Just to name a few. Could you imagine them on Pentecost? And instead of preaching the saving gospel of Calvary? Can you imagine them preaching some of this nonsense that's being peddled today? Christian and church today, it's time for us to waken up. We're going to consider this passage this morning, a passage from Samuel. He's looking across this chosen people of Israel. He's standing in front of them, and as he looks down, you know, it's a deep message from him. There's a hurt in his heart here as he looks upon the people. Samuel was at the end of the charge of his care of this people, and there was a big change coming. There was a big change coming, and he looks at them. And he addresses the need in front of this people. For us, like him this morning, can we say, number one, can we say that we're pained to do more? Is there a pain in our heart this morning to do more from, for God? You see, Samuel looked down upon this congregation in front of him. I wonder what was truly in his mind as he looked across this congregation. Because it wasn't just faces in front of him wasn't just faces, but it was families that he could see. And he could see generations in front of him. It wasn't just a sea of faces of people he didn't know. It wasn't nameless faces. He was looking into the faces of people he most likely called friends. People that he had cared for for many, many years. And I'm telling you, there was a pain in his heart. Because he knew what God wanted from them. And that's the pain of being the pastor in the church. And Bertie knows it uh, uh, as well. It's the pain for all involved in any church leadership, in any activity that a church provides. It's the pain of standing in a pulpit in gospel meetings and watching souls walk out through that door with not a care in their heart. I did a mission one time and there was one man came in and he sat in the back row. And I watched as the gospel message was being preached. And he was, he was squirming in the seat. And he got up at the end of the meeting and he walked out through the door. And I was shaking hands and he, he, he took my hand roughly as he passed by. And he went out and he sat in the car. And I could see him sitting in the car. And he, he, as he sat in the car, he took his two hands and he pulled his hair as he sat in behind the steering wheel. 
And he got out of the car and he started to make his way back towards the door of the mission hall again. And like that, he turned round and he got back into his car and he drove off. To this day, that man's still unsaved. You see, that's the pain today. Knowing what God wants for hearts. Knowing what God wants for souls and to see them leaving unconcerned. Here was Samuel standing here today and he was addressing people he knew. People that would one day run out of opportunities. You see, as we stand in pulpits today, you look upon congregations and you look upon souls still unsaved perhaps, knowing that one day they will run out of opportunities. Tell me today, does that bring us to our knees? Does that pain us this morning? You can almost hear the pain in the voice of Samuel. Look at verses 1 and 2. Says Samuel said to Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice in all that you said unto me, and I have made a king over you. Now behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you, and I have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. See, friends, this morning, God never wanted this people to have a king as their leader. God was going to be their leader. God was going to be the one that would lead them forward from this point on. He demonstrated that. When he took them from Egypt and he took them to Canaan, God was saying, listen, I am enough for you. But the people replied, he says, we don't want an unseen leader. We don't want an unseen leader. We want to be like everybody else. And God said, you do what you want. You do with what you want. Does that ring, ring clear today for this generation? For this world that we live in today? We don't want to be taking orders from God today. We want to live as everybody else does. We want to be the kings of our own lives. Romans 1 and 22, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The people wanted a king, not a God. They wanted to live their lives as the world was living theirs. Listen, fast forward today. Fast forward from this point into 2023. Has anything really changed? From the ungrateful spouting of the children of Israel until our lives today. As you stand and as you knock doors, inviting people along, as you try and stir up interest today, has anything really changed? I knocked on a door in Money Moor for the harvest last year. No one answered. And I started to put the invitation down through the door. And as I walked away, I heard the shout, excuse me. And I turned round to see a woman coming walking towards me with an invitation in her hand. She gave it back to me. She says, I'm sorry, I don't mean any harm, but take this with you. Because it's only going to go to the bin if it stays in this house. We don't go in for all that God stuff in this house. We don't go in for all this God stuff in this house. Romans 1, 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Friends, this morning, does that pain us? Does that pain us today? Does it pain us because we know what rejection truly means? To leave this scene of time rejecting God? To go into a lost eternity for all 
eternity. When the people asked for a king, Samuel knew it meant the people were rejecting God. They weren't rejecting him. They were rejecting God. And that's what hurt. That's what hurt Samuel. And not so very long ago, as I walked through the streets of Money Moore, not 20, 20 foot from the door, a gospel invitation crumpled in a bowl, lying on the street. What does rejection mean? I'm telling you, does it pain us anymore? Secondly, are we pained to do more? Secondly, are we passionate to do any more? Are we passionate to do more? You see, if we were truly pained by what we see, does it stir up a passion within us this morning to do that little bit more? Don't put off to tomorrow what you can do today. Get into the place of prayer even as you leave this place today. Be, be praying for this week coming in, for your Monday and for your Wednesday and for your Friday. Be praying for that. Praying that the Lord will come down mightily. You see, some soul today needs you to stand in the gap because they're not doing it for themselves because they don't care. They don't care. They have no desire. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them. So you need to be in the gap today. John 4, 35, what it says? It says, don't, or it says, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. He says, they're white already for harvest. Don't be saying there's still plenty of times yet. He says, look at them now. They're white already. Samuel expressed that pain in his heart. He expressed a passion to see what the Lord could do. Listen, he could have preached to these people all day. And he could have stood in front of them and he could have berated and blasted the people all day for rejecting God. But he didn't. What did he do? He says, listen, God, you show them. You show them what you can do. You show them the power that you have. And look at verses 16 to 18. It says, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is this not the wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord and I'll send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which ye have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Samuel had every confidence in God. Listen, as you come to the place of prayer this week, you come with the same confidence that Samuel came with. I'm telling you, that's a challenge for me as well. To come with this same confidence that Samuel had. To stand in front of this great amount of people. And as he stood in front of them, he said, listen, I'm not going to do a thing, but God is. God's going to move. In verse 18, it said, so Samuel called and the Lord sent. Samuel called and the Lord sent. Will we take up that challenge in these days? Tell me this. Are you brave enough to take up that challenge today? Because it means coming here this week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it means coming here with an expectant heart. Not just coming along and praying for the sake of praying, but coming as, as Bertie has announced with true intercessory desire in your heart that you want to see God move and that you expect to see God move. You don't read, in, you don't read anywhere here that Samuel started to say to the people, I'm going to call on to God and sure, we'll hope that he's going to move. We'll pray on to God here and hopefully we'll see an answer to prayer. 
Samuel came with expectancy that if he prayed to God, that God was going to hear and that God was going to answer. Verse 18, Samuel called and God sent. You see, if we could see prayer meetings today filled with filled with people who's going to pray, whether you're praying silently or whether you're praying audibly, keep it going. If, you, if we were to see prayer meetings filled with people with a burning desire in their hearts this morning, wanting to see God at work. Listen, verse 18 summed up means wait and watch. Wait and watch. Do you have a pain in your heart this morning? Do you have a passion in your hearts this morning? What did it take from Samuel? It took the pain in his heart. It took the pain in his heart to call this people to remembrance. And when he did that, it took a passion in his heart to see God move in the place of prayer. Pain to do more. Passion to do more. Thirdly, are we prepared to do more? Are we prepared to do more? Every person here this morning Every person listening online has the potential to do more. But tell me this, are you prepared to do more? Are you prepared? During World War II, England, it is recorded, needed to increase its production of coal. Winston Churchill called together all the labor leaders to enlist their support. At the end of his presentation, he asked them, he says, listen, I want you to picture the end of the war. He says at the end of the war, he says there's going to be a big parade down Piccadilly Circus after the war has finished. And he says at the end of that parade, he says, I want you to watch and I want you to see the sailors as they parade their way past the many, many people who's applauding for them because they kept the sea lanes open. They kept everything running properly on the seas. And then he says, I want you to watch and I want you to see the soldiers as the soldiers parade past. And he says, as the people are clapping, he says, I want you to remember how they fought in Dunkirk, how they went on to defeat uh, Rommel in Africa. And then he says, after them, he says, you'll see the pilots. He says, as the pilots are coming past and the people are applauding, he says, I want you to remember how they stopped the Luftwaffe in the sky. But he says, last of all, he says, they'll come a long line of sweat-stained, suit-streaked men in miners' caps. And he says, the people might cry out, they'll say, where were you at during the fighting? Where were you at during the great battle on the land and on the sea and in the sky? Where were you at that you can walk in this great company of people? And from 10,000 throats, he says, would come the answer, we were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. We were deep in the earth with our faces to the coal. Listen, not all the jobs in a church are prominent. Not all of them are glamorous. But the battle is won when the people have their faces to the coal. The battle's won in the hidden place. You see, if the men weren't there mining the coal, unseen, unheard, working away underground... Would the boats have sailed? Would the, would the planes have flew? Would the fuel have been there? Listen, you have more strength available to you than you can ever imagine this morning. 
because you have the capability of touching the very throne of heaven. And sad to say, it's a tool most likely at our disposal that vastly lies unused. Vastly lies unused. Samuel stood in front of this people that we read about with a heavy heart because he knew how much more the people could have had. How much more God was prepared to use this people. They wanted a human king instead of Almighty God who had freed them, led them, and supplied them, and guided them, and provided for them. The people wanted human hands instead of the hands of Jehovah God. They wanted a human voice instead of the voice that spoke this world into creation. Church this morning, don't rely on man. Don't rely on a church. Don't rely on a church board when we have Almighty God at the end of our prayers. That's what we need to realize today. And for that reason, like Churchill speech, every one of us needs to have our faces to the coal. Hidden in the, in the place that no one else sees. But that's where the power was coming from. What's it going to take this morning for us to step up and say, I mightn't be able to do very much, but listen, Monday, Wednesday, Friday will find me in this prayer time. It'll find me with my face to the coal. It'll find me standing in the gap for souls that are drifting a day closer, a week closer to eternity. Listen, we've all heard, no doubt, about that revival that's broken out in Ashbury University. Students that, we are told, they were pained to see God move. They wanted to see God move. They wanted to experience God. We're reading today that that little chapel, it's still full. It's still seeing people crying unto God. Listen, it's a far cry from the UK. It's a far cry. A far cry from the great Christian West when an hour on Sunday and maybe an hour on Sunday night will suffice. Christian, this morning, are you prepared to do more? Are you prepared? Samuel stood in front of this people and he let the word speak for himself. He interceded to God on their behalf. He pleaded that God would reveal himself. Listen, we pray that in money more, that God would reveal himself in the church. And no doubt you pray it here, that they would see God moving in this place. This man spoke of God, the driving force. This man, Samuel, spoke of God as the, as the guiding force. As he spoke to these people, he encouraged them. And he says, are you prepared? He says, listen, people, are you prepared? Look at the words of verse number 10. It says, they have cried unto the Lord and said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord. We have served Balaam and Ashtaroth, but now deliver us out of the hand of our, en of our enemies and we will serve him. The people here were prepared. They were prepared to set about that old life, set it to the side, renew their vision. They were prepared to turn and follow God completely. Listen, sometimes, sometimes it takes that moment of clarity and vision. Sometimes it takes a moment just to step back. We say it around the communion table many, many times. We use Paul's words uh, to the church there at Corinth. We use those words, let a man examine himself. 
He says, let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Listen, why reserve that just for communion? Why reserve that just for com communion when we can do it in our everyday lives? Samuel was saying to the people the exact same thing. He says, listen, Israel, examine yourself. Take a look at yourself. See how much you've written God out of your everyday life. See how much God could be doing for you. Could we, like the children of Israel here, would we say in response, listen, God, I, I admit it. I admit it. Hand on heart, I admit. I need God. I need God. And more than that, we need God. I'm telling you, if we had that, what a difference it would make to churches. What a difference it would make to families. What a difference it would make to communities. Very quickly, are we pained, passion, prepared to do more? Listen, number four, are we persuaded to do more? Are we persuaded to do more? Notice it was never Samuel's words that persuaded the people to move. It was the witnessing of God. It was the witnessing of God. Look at verse 5. He said unto them, The Lord is witness against you. Then verses 6 to 9, Samuel reminds them just a little bit of what God had done for them. Then you get to verse 10. It says, They cried unto the Lord, We have sinned. We have forsaken the Lord. We have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. I don't need to stand in this pulpit and remind you what God has done in your life. You do that for yourself. You take a moment today. You take a moment before you wait around this table and you just listen and list in your own hearts what God has done for you. Neither do I need to stand in this pulpit and tell the church to remember what God has done through this church down through the years. You allow yourself to do that. And when you have done that, and when you realize just how much God has done for you, will you say in response, am I persuaded to do more? Am I persuaded to do more? If it was me or Bertie or any of the leadership here that demanded more in this church and the people stepped up to do it in a way, you're following man. But when God reveals it to the heart, when you've taken that time to sit down and ask God, what can I do for you? And God reveals to your heart, then you're following God. Samuel stood with words of confidence, not because he was in control, but because God was in control. Verse 16, it says, Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Which the Lord will do. Not Samuel. Samuel never says, wait and see. He didn't, see, wait do you see. he didn't say to the people, wait do you see the powers of my prayers? Wait do you see how well I can pray? Wait do you see how well I can call the Spirit of God down? He says, wait and see what God's going to do. And God will do it. God will do it. God isn't looking just for ministers and pulpits. He's looking for faithful teachers. He's looking for faithful preachers who direct people to eyes on Him not to them themselves. He isn't looking for church boards and church deacons. He's looking for faithful leaders and supporters of God's work. 
He isn't looking just for churches with big memberships. He's looking for those who'll stand up and, and be counted. Are you prepared to do that this morning? Like the address of Churchill. Don't look and see the soldiers and the Navy and the RAF. Remember those with their faces at the coal doing the unseen work. We're all called to have our faces to the coal during the work that is unseen. That's where the victory is won. Friends, this morning, focus your minds. Focus your thoughts. Focus your minds on what God truly wants. Over at Ashbury University, there was no running away after the church service. The people wanted more. There was no feelings of, that's enough for this week. There was no feelings of, we need more than just preaching and we need, we need to be entertained. There was nothing like that. It was the Word of God. And Samuel set the Word of God before the people's eyes. Friends, this morning, that's what we need today. No thought of tomorrow for our own lives, but thought of tomorrow for those that are unsaved. The thought of what can happen in a moment. Our souls could be called into the presence of God or how souls could be called into a lost eternity in a moment. Friends, this morning, listen. Are we pained to do that little bit more? Are we pained to do that little bit more for God? Monday and Wednesday and Friday as you gather here, as you set into times of prayer again. Forget the watch. Forget what else we have to do. And close yourself in with God. Samuel stood in front of this people. And all he said was, wait and watch. Wait and watch. The scriptures tell us that when Samuel called, God sent the thunder and he sent the lightning. That's what we need. We want to see people holding on to God. Holding on to God and asking him to move mightily in this place. And to see great answers to prayer that you'll stand back and you'll say, I, I don't understand that it. it was nothing to do with us. We only touched the throne of heaven and God did the rest.